Are you ready for the quantum age? Humanity's next step in evolution? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network invites you to the extraordinary platform of evolutionary voices for the quantum age. Let's explore. Learn more about this upcoming age where we bridge science with spirituality. Where potentiality meets reality. Where we take compassion into action. Our trailblazers and visionaries will ask the whys, the what ifs, while igniting continuous possibility. Come along with us into an age beyond what we know today, where we can grow together in unity consciousness. Experience evolutionary voices for the quantum age, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on DreamVision7Radio.com. Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran. Do you talk to God? Do you believe that God can talk to you? Are you someone that pays attention to your nudges, your whispers, your sensations, or Like some of my work says in Conversations with the Universe or Signs, my new Common Sentience book, I talk about lots of different ways that the world speaks to us through all kinds of things like birds and trees and nature or books and songs or even people that show up in your path. Well, my own spiritual journey began with picking up a set of books that were titled Conversations with God. And Neil Donald Walsh is my guest today, and he has been on 1111 Talk Radio, I think, three or four times before. And it is always a really beautiful, open, loving, heartfelt conversation, because this conversation is that. It's pure love, just as we all are. And I'm really excited because he has released a book called God Talk, And it is part of the Common Sentience series that Sacred Stories Publishing has put out. They've put out a beautiful series of books that really helps bring the mystical to the mainstream. And although Neil began doing this some 40 books ago, because this is his 40th book, this conversation never gets old because God has been beside us, around us, within us, speaking through us, speaking to us, all along. And to let that really sink in, we are going to enjoy more of that conversation. In God Talk, Neil says, you have enormous power within you. God works through you, as you, to the extent that you allow this to occur consciously. As an intentioned event, you become a messenger. So many have been waiting for your message In the moment of our remembering, we join those teachers in consciousness. We become one in consciousness with the only consciousness there is. Once we have discovered this secret, many of us float in and out of that one consciousness during the days of our lives. The great spiritual teachers simply remained there. We can remain there too. Or we can at least reside there a lot longer than most of us do now. Neil Donald Walsh again, is my guest, and he is going to be sharing a six-step process that he uses in his talks with God, and you'll be able to discover profound yet simple insights into what you can do. 
God Talk also has stories from some of the sacred storytellers that are sharing their own encounters in their talks with gods, including those of a mother whose answers came from the vision of her child, a woman who was reassured her health condition would be healed, and a scientist whose experience of God dramatically changed his life. There's so many beautiful stories, and one of the most profound stories of all is that of Neil Donald Walsh himself. Uh, it is it is truly a profound honor to have him here, and he has written, as I said, 40 books, including nine books in the Conversations with God series, seven of which made the New York Times bestseller list. Book one remained on that list for 134 weeks. His titles have been translated into 37 languages and have been read by millions of people around the world. Welcome back, Neil, to 1111 Talk Radio. It's a delight to have you here. Thank you, Simran. Those are very kind words to say, and I, I wish I could deserve some of the accolades that you've showered upon me. I'm just a guy who had an experience and I simply took dictation. And I, I, I'd like to say at the outset, if I could be allowed to, that the experience that I had is not exclusive to me. That is, if I did receive a really important message in my, what I called my conversations with God, the message was, Neil, I'm talking to everyone all the time. The question is not to, to whom is God talking? The question is, who is listening? So uh, I'm simply having an experience that every human being on the face of the earth and all sentient beings in the cosmos are having. But it's true that I paid particular attention to it. I didn't let it you know, go in one ear and out the other, so to speak. I didn't let it just slip past me. I took really a careful note of it because when it was happening, Simran, my life was falling apart. And I was really desperate for some answers. So when I began experiencing that I was receiving the answers, I paid more attention to them than some people do. And I wrote them down. I simply took dictation. But that's really the sum and substance. So it would be easier if you would introduce me from now on as, let me introduce you to a guy who took some really good dictation and published a few books about it. Well, the reason that I introduced you from that place first, and I'm so glad that you've shared this part, because I really see you as an example. I think we live in a world where there are lots of leaders, lots of teachers, lots of titles. But the greatest gift that you gave me through your books was the example, the example of being in the midst of our messes and being willing to receive that message and be that messenger. And allow it to transform our own lives and then overflow onto others. And that's what really comes across through your Conversations with God series to me. And I think that we're in a time in the world where now more than ever, we need those examples so that individuals realize it's not just for one of us, it is for all of us. And you know what? You said something that just struck me. I've never heard anyone else put it that way. But then I realized you said, you know, that, that it helped you to, you know, to see some of the books I've written and to read it, read them because you realize that we are all in the midst of our messes and, and we can really, as nevertheless, find that assistance by paying attention. 
and then when you when I heard you say that, I thought, isn't that funny? We've we have I mean, human beings, our species, our species has been in the midst of its messages, and in the midst midst of its messes for ages. And the word turns out that the word messages with a hyphen becomes mess hyphen ages. Mess ages. And so we've been in the midst of our message of our messes for ages, which has produced our messages. <laughs> yes, we have. And we're in another one of those ages where for a lot of people it does feel like a big mess. And in the book you write, nothing comes to you unless you draw it to you in some way. The welcome events, the unwelcome events, the anticipated events, the totally unexpected events, that all of life's occurrences, experiences, conditions, circumstances, situations, incidents, and happenings are things that you have drawn to yourself. The only question is whether you're doing it consciously or unconsciously, actively or passively, intentionally or unintentionally, purposefully or accidentally. And that recognition, that awareness of just allowing these, these incidents to occur in our life, to allow the messes that need to happen in this time during this age is one of the places I think that acceptance is required to be able to open oneself to being able to take that dictation in whatever form that an individual has to receive it in their own life. Can you speak a little bit about that particular passage and how all these different types of events or experiences hit us, but that we have a certain way that we can look at them? Yes, uh, this is what I was told in my conversations with God uh, Simran is the uh, the law of opposites, the messes that we find ourselves in, and you know I'm going to define messes as unwelcome events, circumstances, situations that really are not making us very happy, have not brought us a lot of joy, but that in every instance have produced in the long term benefit for us. So what what conversations with God calls the law of opposites is a universal uh, law, if you please, that causes the opposite of what it is we wish to experience or what, what it is that we declare to appear in our direct awareness. Because in the absence of the opposite, that which we choose to experience would be impossible to experience. Now, when I asked God about this sermon, I said, you know, I, what, what do you mean? What are you trying to say to me? Can you can you help me understand? God said, let me give you a simple example. It's almost a simplistic example, but it will let you understand immediately. Pretend, Neil, that you've decided that you are the light. You know, it's an audacious statement to make, but just for the sake of the example, say that for me. I said, okay, I am the light. God said, now, in order for you to experience yourself as the light, I mean, you can know yourself as the light. You can understand yourself to be the light. But in order to experience yourself as being the light, you would have to be where? And I said, I don't know. What are you getting at? And she said, Neil, you'd have to be in the darkness. Because right now you are like a candle in the sun. 
you're there all right with a million kajillion other candles. But if you want to experience yourself being the light, you would have to be in the darkness. Therefore, if you want to experience yourself being tall, you'd have to be among things that were short. If you want to experience yourself being fast, you'd have to be among things that were uh, slow. The, the opposite of what it is that you wish to experience yourself as must come into your awareness, if not into your direct experience, so that you can then express yourself as which that which you wish to express yourself as. And so God said to me, therefore, Neil, when you encounter the opposite of what it is you wish to know yourself as, raise not your fist to heaven and curse the darkness not but be a light unto the darkness that you might know who you really are and bless, bless, bless that which opposes you because it's the greatest gift you could have. My dear Simran, that changed my whole life. It caused me to see what was coming down the road toward me, which I would have in the olden days called unwelcome. It allowed me to see it in a different way, to allow me to negotiate the experience, move into whatever process I was being presented with, and see the gift buried deep within all of it, and then use it to my advantage. And for the past 35 years, everything has been different. I had a very similar experience about a decade ago, and I've always been an individual that very diligently has done my inner work, has tried to be the best that I can be, constantly learning. And I had a situation hit my life in 2013 that that literally brought me to the ground. And the words that I heard were, will you be as devoted to the darkness as you have been to the light? And I've always been one to say yes. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. But what I came away with by staying in that place I was given was very much what you've just expressed. It was that the true light can be found in that darkness, that we really see our illumination once we allow ourselves to move through the ebbs and flows, the stretchings that are taking place. And they're really opening us up more to love because we don't realize the blocks to love that we have created. And so much of your book is to help individuals understand that we are this pure love. We are this field of pure love that we want to call God or source or universe universe or the many names that a person might put on it. But we also live in a time where there's this struggle between religion and spirituality where individuals are struggling to hold on to faith or find meaning in things or perhaps are reaching out from the dark but don't know where to reach. When you hit that darkest, lowest point, what had you really open in a way that you could even receive messages or be willing to see something as light? I think determination and commitment. And, and and by the way, not so much determination and commitment to myself, but believe it or not, determination and commitment to others, to others around me, to those I love around me, to members of my family, to my associates, my friends, and frankly, even to total strangers. 
because I was told in conversations with God, okay, what's the secret? Obviously, there's something here I don't fully understand, the understanding of which would change everything. What's the secret? And God said, Neil, it's really very simple. You think your life is about you, and your life has nothing to do with you. I mean, in the long run, your life is about everyone else whose life you touch and the way in which you touch it. Hmm. Because the way in which you touch other people's lives will wind up touching you profoundly. Because what goes around comes around for a very important reason. Neil, there's only one of us in the room. Mm -hmm. mm. I, I think you know, when I hear your words around that, and I think about the ways that people suffer, oftentimes our greatest suffering is because we've made it all about ourselves, our own stories, and that becomes our own subtle narcissism rather than being that full service, rather than allowing God to come through us in that, in that way. And yet with all the faiths, with atheists, with the different traditions, people have a challenge in believing that God can actually talk to them. How do you answer that question for someone well, who says, but why would God talk to me? Yeah, yeah it, that you're exactly right, of course. All, all the religions tell us it's okay for us to talk to God. In fact, we should talk to God. We call it prayer or you know whatever other word we want to use, but that God would never talk to you. Maybe God talks to the Pope or perhaps the Archbishop of Canterbury or the chief ulama or maybe the head rabbi or you know the, the, the saints and sages throughout the generations. But God doesn't talk to ordinary people. Come on. In fact, in fact, it's worse than that. If we actually announce that God is talking directly to us, we could be called in certain circles blasphemers. Uh, you know, apostates. Are you are you seriously suggesting that God would talk to you, someone as lowly as you? God only talks to holy people, if he talks to anybody at all. So yeah. So but what I say to people is actually it's just the opposite. If there is a God, and I firmly believe there is a higher power, an essential essence that some of us call God or Allah or Brahman or Yahweh or whatever word pleases us to use, the Lord, you know, we all have our own terminology. But if there is a higher power, oh, and by the way, um, statistics show that eight out of 10 people around the world believe that there is a higher power of some sort. We just can't agree on you know, on exactly how it works or how we can interact with it. But if there is a higher power, then we would have to realize that it is actually that. I mean, that it is a higher power, which therefore needs, wants, requires, demands, and expects nothing from us in order for it to be happy. And so, and of course, what it, what it does desire is for us to experience who we really are. That is, that we are its creations, or to put it in direct terms, that each sentient being in the cosmos is an individuation of divinity. And the desire of divinity, as I've come to understand it, is for each individuation to know that and to experience it individually through the expression and the demonstration of every aspect of its own divinity. Therefore, we have an opportunity here in life to realize that God is, yes, of course, 
communicating with all of us. And I tell people, if you think that God is not talking to you, you simply haven't been listening very carefully. But you know, have you ever had a have you ever had an experience of what you might call women's intuition? And a person might say, Oh yeah, I've had that. Have you ever had an experience what you might call, you know, a sudden insight? Oh yeah, I've I've, I've experienced that. And I say, okay, you can call it whatever you want to call it. I simply call it conversations with God. But God is talking to all of us all the time. And you can use whatever label you want to use. Call it an epiphany. Call it, you know, a psychic hit. Whatever, you know, what why what made you turn the corner? What made you go around the corner? Because I just kind of sensed that there would be a parking spot there, even though every other parking spot is taken up. Little things like that and big things as well. When we get a hunch, what we call a hunch, make the investment here of, of your time or your money or your energy, and don't make the investment there. Say yes to this and don't say yes to that. You know, excuse me, <laughs> my mother would say nothing to sneeze at. And that's exactly true. <laughs> that was a sign right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so yes, I believe that God is talking to all of us all the time. We're simply calling it something else. I create audiobooks on the side for authors. And I've just completed a, a beautiful audiobook by a woman, an Australian woman who's in her 80s. And she was physically abused as a child. The book is called Leaving Faith, Finding Meaning by Lynn Renoir. And she was badly physically abused as a child and raised in a very fundamentalist religious household where she was always told that she was worthless. And her entire life was spent looking to reconcile, how can I be this creation and yet be worthless? And so she went the philosophical, psychological, and scientific route to try to determine whether there was a God, whether there was not. And she ultimately came to the place that you just described, that there is something, that there was even a seed within her that had her continue to search. And I do think that we all have that longing to connect, but it is also kind of a fine line because that longing keeps us in a place of separateness. There is a slight twist or jump or leap or breath that has to be crossed to move from the separateness and the longing to the place of really understanding that that spark and that light is within us and our belonging what is the the tiny tweak that has to happen? Bring someone else there. I asked God, you know, okay, how does life work? And God said, Neil, it's really very simple. Whatever you wish to experience in your life, whether it's a deeper connection with me or whatever else it might be, greater financial abundance, more uh, emotional security, a higher level of companionship, or something simple like more humor in your life, or whatever it is you want to experience more of in your life, be the source of it in the life of another. So God said, I want you to stop being a seeker. You think it's a big thing. Uh, you, you're very proud. I'm a seeker. I'm a genuine seeker. Neil, you already have what you're looking for, and you will discover that the day you decide to not be a seeker anymore. Don't be a seeker of wisdom. Don't be a seeker of clarity. Don't be a seeker of love. Don't be a seeker of anything. Be the source of that which you wish to receive. And as you give it to another, you'll chance upon an amazing realization. 
oh my gosh, I had that to give all along. And the more you source others, the more you touch life's magic, and you become not only a source, but a sorcerer. Mm. Not only a source, but a sorcerer. I love how you play with words. There's a line in your book where you say, change is another word for creation, and thought is also energy. And there is a slight reframing that we must do to understand that sometimes these things that move and undulate within our lives that sometimes are seemingly uncomfortable, they are actually creation in the works, as well as the beautiful changes that take place, and that our thoughts create that, because that's the energy. Talk about playing Talk with little- words. Talk about playing with words. The word creation and the word reaction are the same word. Only the C and the R have, mm. mis- have been misplaced. Creation, reaction. Move the C and the R to different places, and suddenly your reaction becomes a creation by simply moving the C and the R, and then you see who you really are. The big idea is not religious doctrine. No, you, no, you, were, supposed to, you, were, supposed, you were supposed <laughs> to say, Neil, that was very clever. It was <laughs> very clever. <laughs> it was truly clever. Um, and I have to get to a commercial break. The big idea is not religious dogma, wishful thinking, or spiritual metaphor. Science has placed it in a new category. Science is now telling us that we are each made of the stuff of which everything is made. We are each individuated manifestations of the primal force, the undifferentiated energy, the essential essence from which all of life emerges and which all of life expresses. We are each divine. Life is now inviting us to demonstrate divinity. We are each aspects of God, and life is asking us to make that understanding practical and functional in our daily experience. This is from Neil Donald Walsh's book, 40th book, God Talk, Experiences of Humanity's Connection with the Higher Power. It is part of the Common Sentience series from Sacred Stories Publishing. I have a book in that series as well called Signs, Sacred Encounters with Pathways, Turning Points, and Divine Guideposts. So go ahead and order both of those. And remember, creation and reaction are just the movement of an R. We'll be right back with more Neil Donald Walsh. Check him out at neildonaldwalsh.com. Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships more empowered community, greater fulfillment, and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides, and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 
11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome back. Again, if you want to pick up that audiobook from Lynn Renoir, it's a beautiful book. It's titled Leaving Faith, Finding Meaning. And uh, it's a beautiful exploration of a woman's journey, along with a lot of scientific, psychological, and spiritual exploration that helps to bring some deep and beautiful insight. In addition, you can check out my latest trilogy, Living the Seven Blessings of Human Experience, speaks to the identity, personality, and those parts of us that we must shed so that we open to this higher essence that is wanting to come through us. The second book, Being, The Seven Illusions That Derail Personal Power, Purpose, and Peace, speak to that part of us that is the shadow, the animal, even the monster or the narcissistic side that wants to be in the world as identity as opposed to being in service for the greater whole and supporting other people. And the third book is Knowing, The Seven Human Expressions of Grace. It is the unfolding of your light as you move deeper and deeper into your humanity. We think that humanity is this greater group of the collective, but before we're able to actually touch them, we must first find our own humanity. Whatever's blocking that, whatever's guarding our heart, and whatever's keeping us from feeling. So I hope you'll explore those books as well. Again, my guest today is Neil Donald Walsh, and we are talking about his latest called God Talk, and it is part of the Common Sentient series. You can find the link below, as well as his website, neildonaldwalsh.com. And I want to give you another segment from the book. At the highest level, this pure energy is conscious and aware of itself, because it is consciousness and awareness itself. It is that from which all differentiated consciousness and awareness springs. This primal force and primal source wants and needs nothing for the simple and elegant reason that it is everything it could possibly want. More and more human beings are now understanding this. More and more of us are beginning to comprehend that all of us are emanations of the same single thing. We are the product of it and the possessors of it. We can also be the projectors of it. That's such a beautiful passage, Neil, and it really speaks to the place that we're destined to go, and that is that fully embodied knowing that we are that spark of God, that divine piece of the puzzle that makes up the greater expanse 
of of what God is. And that's when we truly can create uh, not only a beautiful illumination, a revolution in our world, but that sacred rebellion from all that is not pure love. You know, the analogy that I like to use that people can really relate to quickly, I say to people, our relationship to God is the same as the relationship of a wave in the middle of the ocean. When the wave arises from the ocean, the wave is not separate from the ocean. It's not something other than the ocean. It is the ocean, simply expressing an individuated form, a form that's not only individuated, but that is glorious, wondrous, and powerful, and quite extraordinary. And yet, when that individual expression is complete, the wave recedes back into the ocean whence it came. That's precisely the relationship that you have with the divine. You are an individuation of divinity, never separate in any way from that which is divine, nor from any other aspect of the divine. And if we can begin to understand our oneness with everything, not only will your whole life change, but the lives of all those, as I mentioned a minute ago, whose life you touch. And, you know, i got to tell you, uh, my, my friend Simran, whenever I've experienced that sense of oneness, not just not just with God, which is, of course, wonderful to experience that, but with everything. You know, I, I, I went out to the backyard a few years ago, and I saw the apple tree out there, which brings us tons and tons and tons of wonderful fresh apples. Every We have an apple tree and a peach tree in our backyard. And I, and I went over there, believe it or not, I mean, nobody was looking. I can get away with it in my own backyard. And I gave the tree a hug. I really, yes, you're right. I, oh, my God, he's a tree hugger. But I really <laughs> did. I really did go and hug the tree. And I just mentally spoke to the tree and said, you know what? We're both doing what we're doing. I'm living my way, you're living your way, but we are both an aspect of that which is. And in the highest sense, there's no separation between us. You're just a different form of the thing that we all call life. And by the way, let me add this if I could, because I learned this from the tree. There's nothing we have to learn. I used to think that life was a school. And a lot of a lot of uh, spiritual teachers say life is a school, but I was told in conversations with God, life is not a school, and I said, but 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 God, everyone says life is a school. Even spiritual teachers tell us life is a school. God said, there's a big, huge, beautiful apple tree in your backyard. Is there not? I said, yes, there is. And she said, what has the tree learned since it was a seed no bigger than your little fingernail. I said, well, it hasn't learned anything. It just kind of grew into itself. Mm. And God said to me, are you trying to tell me that everything that tree needed to know to become the beautiful blossoming specimen of life that it now is, with a canopy 35 feet above your head, everything that it needed to know, are you telling me that I planted that in the seed when it was no bigger than your little fingernail? I said, yes, That's. I guess you could put it that way. And God said to me, and so, Neil, if I so loved the tree, would I not all the more love you? Mm -hmm. Do you really think I sent you down there not knowing anything? 
and said to you, well, I hope you learn what you need to learn, because if you don't, you're going to be in big trouble. Neil, life is not a process of discovery. Life is a process of creation. Simply call forth what you already know and become a member once again of the body of God. That is, remember who you really are. Oh, that's beautiful. That's truly beautiful. I want to go back to some of the things that you said, one of which is your union with the tree and that we are one with everything and everyone. And I know that I get this question quite often when I'm working with individuals, and that is, but what about the person that committed the crime? What about the person that committed the violent act? What about the person that is doing wrong? How can that be God? How can that be one with me? It's the forgotten part of the oneness. It's, it's the part of the oneness which is simply forgotten and lost track of and lost touch with its true identity. That does not mean that it's not part of the true identity. It means that it is simply forgotten and utterly lost touch with, or maybe never even had a close feeling of connection with, and never really was in touch with its true identity. Therefore, what's invited from you is not separation, but compassion, and not even forgiveness, but understanding, because understanding replaces forgiveness in the mind of the master. And when you are clear about that, you will interact in an entirely different way even, yes, even, with those who have done things you can't even imagine that they would do, who have done things with which you completely disagree, and who have done things to hurt others. And I said, well, you're really, you're really setting a really high mark there, a high level for us. And, and, and God said to me, Neil, I'm not, the first, I'm not the first source. This isn't the first time you've heard these things. Have you lost touch with what somebody said a couple of thousand years ago? I said, like, like what? What are you referring to? We're talking about how I should react to the person who, who does ter terrible stuff to other people. And God said, I'm talking about the same thing. Remember what this man said 2,000 years ago? Bless. Bless. Bless your enemies. And pray for those who would persecute you. And do good to those who would do you evil. And yes, when a man slaps you on the right cheek, turn and offer him your left. And when a man asks you for your coat, give him your shirt as well. And when a man demands that you walk one mile with him, go with him, Twain. But don't do these things if you don't want to change your life. Because if you do these things, I promise you, you will change your life. And if you're not careful, you might even change that part of the world that you touch. Mm. I could, of course, be wrong about all of this. <laughs> Somehow, I think you've got it. <laughs> what is the one message? There's five words. You were in an interview one time, and it became the subject of one of your books. There were five words that God said to you that was the primary message. You've got me all wrong. You've got me all wrong. Yeah, Matt, Matt Lauer asked me that. Uh, we were doing the Today Show, 
And we and he said to me, okay, all right, ladies and gentlemen, here's a guy who claims to be talking to God. Okay, Neil, you know, what is God's message to the world? And I'm sitting there on NBC television on the Today Show. I realize I'm talking to millions of people. And and then, and then Matt says, oh, and by the way, Neil, we have only 30 seconds left. So can you put it into one paragraph? And I thought, you little, you little guy. You little rascal. You give me 30, you save the biggest question till you have 30 seconds left in the interview. What's God's message to the world? So I looked at him and I said, Matt, I can put it, I don't need one paragraph. I can put it in, in one sentence. I can give it to you in five words. And Matt Lauer looks at the television camera and he says, okay, folks, in our last 20 seconds, here's God's message to the world from Neil Donald Walsh in five words. Neil? They throw the camera on me, and I looked right into the camera lens. Here's God's message to the world, folks. You've got me all wrong. What a powerful message, truly powerful message. So individuals that are saying, okay, how do I know that God is speaking to me? You share some rules in the book God Talk about things that we can be certain of in terms of the messages coming and knowing that they are messages from God. Can you share some of those rules? Well, God's well. I'm not sure there are rules, uh, but 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 there are certain indications, there are guidelines, like you know, a map that shows us we're going in the right direction. God's message will to the world. God's messages to us will always be messages of freedom, joy, love, and this sense of possibility in every situation. So if if the message is one of fear or apprehension or or you know negativity to say nothing of anger or or the worst part of anger hatred then obviously obviously those messages are not coming to us from divinity. But if the messages are messages of freedom, joy and love, I promise you they're coming to you from the source that we would call divinity. And I've listened to all those messages that cause me to feel free, joyful, and loving. And I also love that you share some reasons to talk to God. How can it shift us? Or what are the primary reasons that an individual should focus on speaking to God or listening to God? <laughs> you know, you know what, what, guys, whatever reason that you have... <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to just divert a bit from from what's in the book because you know we don't we don't even really need in particular a specific reason. The reason that I talk to God is because I don't want to be lonely anymore, living in my own soul, living in my own mind, being with just my capital S self. I I I, I so I the reason I talk to God is I want another point of view. I want a larger point of view. I want a more aware point of view. I want to access the part of me. By the way, that's what's important for us to know. When we're talking to God, we're not talking to some essence or some element outside of ourselves. We're simply accessing what is already existing, as I mentioned a moment ago, what's already been planted, if you please, deep within us. So when we are talking to God, we're in a sense talking to the largest part of ourself. The place deep within us where all the wisdom, all the clarity, all the understanding, all the compassion, 
all the patience, all the kindness, all the goodness, and all the love resides. And you know what's interesting about that, Simon? We've all experienced those parts of ourselves. Every single one of us has had moments in our life when we've experienced ourselves as being wise, compassionate, understanding, patient, forgiving, and generous with our time, with our resources, with whatever it is we have to offer, with the gifts that life has given to us. All of us have experienced that within ourselves. I've never met a single person, even those people who we call, you know, <laughs> our enemies or people that we don't agree with. I've never met a single person who has not experienced those aspects of themselves. The secret of life, then, is to simply choose to access those parts of yourself all the time. You know, that's so simple. It's such a, a simplistic way of really understanding that that's what God is and that that God resides within and that that expresses through us. But I think in our world, particularly in Western society, and as fast as we move, we've gotten away from simple. We've gotten away from clear. And many people don't feel worthy of considering that. It's easy to pass that off. And I think worthiness is one of the places that you discuss in the book about something that must be embraced. But how do we get to that worthiness not from the mind, but from that deep knowing in the body. By seeing the worthiness in someone else. Here we go again. Whatever you wish to experience within yourself, cause another to experience it within themselves. I promise you, Simran, I promise you, that if you spend the next week causing everyone whose life you touch, and I don't just mean family members or the person that you're sharing your life with, strangers on the street, the clerk at the post office, the lady at the coffee shop, the waitress at the restaurant, whoever it might be whose life you touch, cause them to see their worthiness. I mean, go out of your way. Let me give you an example, if I could, just to make it clear what I'm talking about. A, a, few, a couple of years ago, I was coming out of a coffee shop and going to my car, and there was a policeman putting a ticket on my car. And I said, uh, officer, could I talk to you for a minute? And I know he thought I was going to give him a ration. So he said, yeah, what do you want? And I said, I, I just wanted to, to say something to you. Please, could I just have like a minute and a half of your time? He said, go ahead. I said, I want you to know something. I'm very clear that when you put that piece of silver on your chest, when you put that badge on your uniform every morning before you walk out of the house, that you're making a silent promise. And your promise is to stand between me and danger whenever you see me in danger, or if you were to see that, that you will place yourself in between us, and even if it costs you your life. And I want you to know that I see that in you. I see the promise you've made. I trust that you mean it. And I thank you every time I see a person wearing that badge. And this guy walked up to me from around the car. He took the 
<laughs> they took it out from under the windshield wiper, started to tear it up. I said, no, 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 we're not doing that. This is not quid pro quo. I was I was not playing tit for tat. I didn't say that to get you to tear my ticket. You put that ticket right back where it was. You're doing your duty. I was overparked. I just wanted you to know what I see when I look at you. And the guy walked up to me. He put the ticket back as I asked him to under the windshield wiper. And there was a small little tear tripling down his, the right side of his cheek. I'll never forget it. He must have been about 56 years old. He looked at me and said, you know what, mister? I've been on this force for 27 years. No one has ever said anything like that to me. You've just made my whole career. Mm. He turned around brushed the tear off the side of his face and walked away. Guys, give people back to themselves. And when you see the worthiness in another, you will experience it in yourself. I promise you that what you give away, what flows through you, sticks to you. I could, of course, be wrong about all of that. Again, so simple, kindness, compassion, tenderness, acknowledgement, these gentle, gigantic gestures that really can change a person's heart, a person's mind, a person's life, a person's view of themselves, and like you said, change oneself. And if we go back to the mess ages that we talked about at the beginning of the show, you speak about some of the madness, the messages of madness that are in our world. And when you were initially beginning to receive your dictations from God and opening to this information and going through the challenges you were going through, were there times where you slipped, where you doubted, where you had to kind of reset your mind? Because I think a lot of people encounter that. They make up their mind, I'm going to be this way today. They wake up with the intention, the desire. They start the day off and then they stub their toe or they get a glance from someone that's not nice or something happens at work and all of a sudden everything shifts and it's like forgotten again. I'd love for you to share anything around that just as far as how we can reset when we go into forgetting. Well, I wouldn't know because I've never had that experience. I've been a perfect human being most of my life. <laughs> and when those when those things occur in my life, it never bothers me. It never sets me off. It never throws me off the path. What you've just described, I was sitting here thinking, boy, I've never had those experiences ever. But if I did have one of those moments in my life when I lost track of what I was promising myself when I got up in the morning, oh, I guess I should admit I. I do, I do recall having one of those moments back in 1949. But, um, mm -hmm. and, and maybe three yesterday and five the week before. Okay, whatever. But I have to remember my commitment. You know, I, I really go into my mind when I do have one of those moments. And of course, you're, you're perfectly right. We all have a lot of them. What happened to my commitment? What happened to my determination? Whoa, wait a minute. So I asked myself a magic question. There's a magic question I've learned to ask myself when I find myself having lost track of 
the commitment I have made to be the kind of person I choose to be. And the question I ask myself, you know, if my 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 darling spouse and I are having a moment of disagreement in the morning, or the guy across the street and I are not getting along quite as well as I would like, or something is going on in my life of the nature that you're describing, I will ask myself life's magic question. I will say to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. What does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? Wait a minute, wait a minute. What does this have to do? with the agenda of my soul. And I ask myself that question a lot, Simran. Not just when things are not going as well as I would like, even when things are. Like during this wonderful interview that you've allowed me to have with you. Even as I'm sharing this time with you and with your audience, part of me asked about 15 minutes ago, what does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? And every time I've asked myself that magic question, whether it's in a moment when unwelcome events are coming my way or welcome events are coming my way, whenever I've asked myself that question, the answer comes to me immediately. Ah, yes, there's more going on here than meets the eye. Ah, yes. And then I become aware. And that's what brings me back to the place where I made that commitment when I got up to be the person who I know myself to be when I'm being my highest self. I love that. My uh, byline for 1111 Magazine and 1111 Talk Radio has always been devoted to the journey of the soul, because I think that that is the place, if we can stay centered, then we always rise to our highest self. Thank you, Neil, for being on 1111 Talk Radio again with me. It is always a delight, always enriching, and just beautiful to be with your heart and soul. Once again, from the book, God Talk, Experiences of Humanity's Connection with a Higher Power. The good news is that our deity is not the God of the brand name. God's love, God's acceptance, and God's joy in us is not dependent upon what words we say in prayer, what name we evoke in supplication, or what faith we embrace in hopefulness. In the eyes of God, a Jew is as worthy of God's love as a Christian. A Christian is as worthy as a Muslim. A Muslim is as worthy as a Hindu. A Hindu is as worthy as a Buddhist. A Buddhist is as worthy as a Mormon. A Mormon is as worthy as a Baha'i. And a Baha'i is as worthy as a Taoist. An atheist is as worthy as all of the above. I hope you'll get this book and many of the books in the Common Sentient series. Again, visit neildonaldwalsh.com for all of his beautiful work, and also check out humanitiesteam.org. They are doing profound good across this planet and offer many beautiful classes and courses and streaming, so that's something else that you might want to check out. Until next week, I am Simran, in love, of love, with love, and as love. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of Dream Vision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. 
Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to DreamVision7Radio.com. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.